0: My name is Max Rudolph, and along with Dave Ingram, I invite you to join our Crossing Thin Ice podcast. Today, Dave is going to share his experience when an insurer debriefs after a major loss. It shows the importance of a risk culture in challenging times.
1: A CEO was meeting with the CRO, CFO, and several members of business unit management a few months after the close of a year, a year that included a major unexpected loss by that same business unit, a loss that was so large that it reduced reported group income by almost 75%. The CEO asked the group if there was any good reason that the business unit that had created the loss should continue with the current management. Of course, that question started everyone screaming all at once. It was obvious from this chaotic scene that no one there had planned for any loss ever. That's not uncommon. Overconfidence is often highly valued, until suddenly it isn't. When companies first started to add the CRO position along with risk departments, there were several functions that they immediately assigned to the CRO. Things like designing and implementing the new risk management system, risk assessment and reporting, Presenting risk and risk management reports to the board are several of the most common responsibilities. Sometimes looking backwards and assessing the compliance with and effectiveness of the risk management system is also a part of the CRO's responsibilities, and sometimes that role falls on auditors under a three lines of defense approach. But usually that sort of review is not the kind of failure analysis that is needed after a major loss. That regular oversight function is often too gentle to produce the kinds of information to support the natural basic question that the CEO asked earlier. Should he terminate just the management or should he close the business? Or is there something salvageable here? This sort of investigation should be assigned to the CRO well in advance of any major loss as a part of their basic duties. If that assignment has happened, then the CRO has a good reason to accumulate the sorts of background information that is essential to getting any real insight as to the real reason for the loss. That background information forms the answer to the question, What is it that management of a business unit expects to happen in a seriously adverse situation? Here are a dozen questions that the CRO should try to answer about the business unit, their risk management program, and the loss. Number one, was the strategic risk trajectory for the business unit appropriate for the company's financial situation, the risk environment, and the primary strategic objectives of the organization? Here, risk trajectory means the choice of either increasing risk faster than surplus, increasing surplus faster than risk, or balancing the growth of risk and capital. The wrong choice of risk trajectory may leave a company in too fragile of a situation and therefore more sensitive to losses, or the losses may be just the inevitable consequence of being in the risk business. Question two did the specific plans of the business unit in the years prior to the loss support the chosen risk trajectory? Companies can make good decisions but execute them poorly. A major loss might result from a bad decision or a good decision and poor execution. Question three, were the risk appetite intolerance for the group and limits for the business unit set through a robust process that considered all of the pertinent factors? Question four, Was compliance with risk appetite, tolerance, and limits monitored regularly? Question five. Was the company in compliance in total and especially for the business unit that had had the major loss? Question six. If risks exceeded their limits, were actions taken to get back into compliance? The choice of risk appetite, tolerance, and limits can have a major impact on risk-taking activities, but only if compliance is monitored and if there are real actions taken as a result of breaches or near-breaches of those limits. Question 7. Did the risk assessment process expect to use the best available methodology? Question 8. Was that methodology actually used? Question 9. Were the risk assessments performed and reported in a timely manner? The best risk management requires the best risk assessments, so that the actions are taken at the right moment. There is often a trade-off between the accuracy and timing of risk assessments. The best number delivered too late for corrective action is of little value. Were the planned mitigations capable of reducing the frequency and or severity of losses in the manner expected? Question 11, were the planned mitigations carried out as expected? Mitigations are your defense. If you choose the right mitigations and execute them well, then you would have expected to be safe. And the final question, did your peers suffer comparable losses? There are several parts to the answer to that one. Things like, uh, were they similarly exposed? Did they use the same mitigations? And did they have similar outcomes Uh or lack of effectiveness. If there was a flaw in your approach to this risk that resulted in the major loss, then these 12 questions ought to help you find it. And if the CRO can lead the company through the process of answering these questions and finding that flaw, then management will be able to continue with the intended strategy and, and, and corrections as needed, rather than abruptly fleeing their strategy and seeking some other path.
0: Before we move on to part two of today's podcast, we want to tell you about ARM's ERM Advisory Services. Our ERM Advisory Team, led by Dave Ingram and myself, Max Rudolph, are available to provide a wide range of support to your enterprise risk management program. Here are samples of recent projects. Our ERM team has worked with insurers to install new ERM programs and revitalize older programs that have fallen into disuse. The ERM programs are designed to be consistent with regulatory and rating agency expectations, aligned with company strategy and culture, and bring real value to company management and your board. We're happy to discuss your situation and how we might provide you with the help that you need to move forward, drawn from our decades of experience working with insurer ERM programs. So how did it turn out for the the company that had the unexpected loss?
1: Well, they didn't follow all of my advice, <laughs> I could say, uh, but they did follow some of it. They did go back and 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 look at what they had intended, and, uh, and 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 so on. And and they made two changes as a result of of the questions they asked themselves. One of them was they increased the amount of uh, expected losses that were in their risk model at, at different uh return periods uh mostly the more uh, uh the more remote possibilities and then in addition they reduced the amount of risk that they would retain their their risk tolerance uh so and 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 that worked out great for my employer at the time which was a a reinsurance broker we sold them a
0: lot more reinsurance that's that's interesting um Going back to that, what did what did you mean in the article where you asked whether the risk trajectory was appropriate?
1: Well, that's a good question because risk trajectory is is a free is a term that I made up, and uh, risk trajectory is is my phrase for looking at the the combination of your growth of business uh, compared to your your growth of of your your surplus. So. Uh, uh, if your surplus is growing faster uh, than, than your business, then you, you are getting more secure. If your business is growing faster than your surplus, you're getting less secure. And so what's a, an appropriate or an insupport appropriate? I mean, if you're close to your risk tolerance or even over it, having any kind of positive risk trajectory, meaning that your your business is growing faster than your risk, is, is probably too risky. Uh, and uh and if if you are also in a situation which some companies are in which where they have a, a lot of extra capital meaning that their their risk is way under their risk tolerance and and they have a, a negative or neutral risk trajectory meaning that their surplus is growing faster than their risk they're hoarding capital and that's probably inappropriate they sh- they should be figuring out ways to use the capital or return it a risk tra- trajectory is appropriate if it brings your risk position closer to what you see as optimal, which in most cases means a small to moderate cushion of surplus over risk tolerance. And people may have short-term reasons for wanting to be in a different position for that, but over the long run, that's that's where you want to be.
0: Thanks, Dave. Clearly, risk trajectory is one of those terms that I was not familiar with uh, before your article, but I think I understood the concept right away. it's 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 good for that concept to have a, a term to go with it. there's there's many nuances when when talking about risk and capital, though, for example, when is growth happening too fast?
1: that that's a little different for insurance enterprise uh, than than a lot of other types of businesses. We're all taught in college economics that that growth, of a business is good because it spreads fixed expenses, thereby raising uh, unit profits because it's lowered uh, unit costs. But in a business like insurance, growth can also be a positive and another positive because it increases diversification. uh, So that could decrease the average risk per unit of business. But there's two cases where that might not be good for an insurance enterprise. First is that often, though, in insurance growth winds up increasing concentration. That college economics class uh, might have also told told you that a business is best off if they stick to their knitting, do what they already do well, take advantages of efficiencies uh, that they have learned. Uh, but insurance that means you you go back and write similar risks. To those that you've already written that are highly correlated, you know, my simple example of that I remember from 9-11 was there was a, a, an insurance uh, agency that was located in the Twin Towers. And uh, they, they took uh, the easy route of using the elevator to get to potential customers. They wrote a lot of insurance up and down the Twin Towers. And that insurance company was the only life insurer that I know of th- th- that had uh, an unusually high amount of claims uh, from 9-11 uh, because of that concentration. The, the the second reason why that growth might be too much uh, for an insurance company is that even if you're doing something that doesn't uh, cause that concentration issue, you you can you can go past that risk trajectory boundary that I just talked about. You you, you can you can sell enough business, you can add enough uh, enough additional risk that the capital is no longer sufficient, and and you're beyond your risk tolerance. So. Um, that that's the other thing you have to be careful of in insurance business.
0: Thanks, Dave. Is it okay to have a business line that's a cash cow where you have you're reducing risk and capital needs at the same time?
1: Oh, I think I think you want to the the discussion that that I just talked about with risk trajectory and how much growth you should have that applies to a business as a whole, but uh, to business units or business lines with, within a, a, a business. Uh, you probably want to have a cash cow because you 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 always want your business to be evolving, staying with the market. Uh, maybe, you know, like the, uh, the the baseball outfielder running to where the 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 world's going to be instead of standing still and, and hoping the ball falls into your glove. So you you want to have company businesses that have uh, risk trajectories that are what I would have just described as inappropriate because they're too high or too low. The ones where the risk trajectory is too low are the cash cows. The ones where they're too high, you want to have SARS. Um, so those are ones that aren't funding their own growth; they're funded by these cash cows.
0: So so several of your questions in the article amount to, to asking did they do what they were what they said they were going to do? Can you talk to us about why that's important?
1: Well there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one, one of them is that you want to start from there in, in making your uh, analysis, your diagnosis of what the problems were because if you if you don't start from what people said they were going to do, you, you wind up tending to start from what you know now. Meaning you're applying hindsight and you're saying what would have been the best course of action and, and you're comparing what they did to that. I I think it's actually by breaking it into two steps, you get a lot a lot more information. And the two steps being, what did they do compared to what they said they were going to do? You agreed to the plan. The plan's a series of promises from the business. And so the, the the business said, here's what I'm going to do. You said you you being you know the corporate overlords accepted the plan, tacitly agreeing with the uh, the analysis of, of the business unit. And, and so something happened that wasn't anticipated and, and then uh, the business may or may not have changed what they were going to do. Those are all things you want to find out because in the future, uh, you, you can't wait until after you know what happened to make it, to decide what to do. You, you have to you have to make plans in advance. And so by asking the questions in this way, you get yourself to a position where you, you've learned how to make better plans.
0: That's interesting. Um, David, in, in the article, you say it's better to learn from the losses of others. Um, how can, can Ensure build this into their process?
1: Learning from the, the losses of others, I, I think, is a, is a general idea that I, I always used to talk about it as, uh, you know, sort of lessons from the University of Hard Knocks. And, and you can pay a lot of tuition and go through that yourself, or you can pay a very small amount of, of tuition and, and learn from somebody else's losses. But the, the way to learn from somebody else's losses is to use the process like the one that I've described in the article, uh, it is to ask these questions. And you don't necessarily know the answers as an outsider but you can make reasonable guesses and, and see what you could learn from filling in the blanks there uh, with something that makes sense uh, compared with your, your process. And uh, if you can do that, you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes uh, and and look at your own business practices and see uh, what would have happened. Uh, would, would Would your result have been the same, given the same circumstances? And it's The same kind of thinking, for instance, that a a football coach might do who's watching the films from last week's game against their next week's opponent. Uh, They're trying to put themselves in the shoes of the other team and figure out, okay, what what can I do with my team uh, to do better uh, than the team that lost last
0: week? As Dave described. A consistent process can help management course correct back to its desired strategy versus a haphazard path that confuses everyone. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please like and subscribe.